want to be a radical for Jesus? Well, this is Pastor David, host of Restoring Your Voice, and that's what this show is geared toward. Geared toward everyday Christians to equip you for the good works of Jesus and live out your faith radically. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Restoring, Restoring Your, your Voice. Alrighty then, welcome. Welcome, welcome everybody. <clears throat> Pastor David here, host of Restoring Your Voice. It's a joy to be with you. So when I say so glad to be with you, I really mean it. It's a joy to be with you right now. It's a joy to do this for you. I hope everybody had a great Merry Christmas. So a belated Merry Christmas, I guess, if you will. And I hope everybody's ready for the new year. Um, and this episode should equip you just for that, by the way. So what am I talking about? Well, stay tuned. Uh, now, real quick, can I ask one quick favor? Just, just one real quick favor. Like, it'll take you literally a second. Move that mouse button, if you will, the mouse cursor, I'm sorry, or your finger and click the like button, wherever you're watching from. So you're watching this on YouTube or you're watching this um, on Facebook. Uh, of course, you can't like it from my website, but that's okay. But if you're watching from any of those platforms, would you click that like button? All right. Also, will you please just share it and comment as much as you want? All right. Every interaction why gets this pushed up to get recommended out there for other folks. So that's it. I don't think it's too hard to ask. Just a click of a click of a mouse. Amen. Alrighty then. Now you say, well, what do you mean this is going to equip us for the new year? Well, well, I mean by you know, New Year's is coming up. I'm sure that some of you are thinking about making New Year's resolutions. Well, as we all know, I think we can all be honest for those of us who have ever made New Year's resolutions that we never end up keeping them, right? And we'll say it starts to fade by February. By the time we get into March, another fade. By the time we get to April, it's gone. Right, but it didn't start in April. It didn't. We just didn't toss it out the window. Uh, here, here's an example. All right, I'm going to start on this new diet, whatever, whatever it is. Right, uh, for the for the purposes of of this, you know, hypothetically speaking, for the purposes, we'll we'll just say that you're going to put away this unhealthy food here, and you're going to now eat this healthy food there. Right. And, and for the first week or, or two of, of, of the new year, you're going strong, right? You're, you're eating that salad. You're, you're not eating something full of calories, right? Whatever it is that, that you needed to change. But by week three, you're feeling that pull to go back. Maybe if I just get one cheeseburger, it'll be okay. Maybe if I get that one Milkshake, if I go to that one favorite fast food restaurant, just, just one time it'll be okay, right? But as soon as you made the decision, what happened is you compromised. Maybe it's something else. It doesn't matter. And now since you made that little compromise, now it's, okay, well, maybe if I eat that, it'll be okay. I'm just going to have my cheat day, right? Another compromise. And, and, and it continues and continues on. It's still... Until you do, until you eat less of the healthy stuff that you made a resolution to eat, and now you're eating more of the junk food in regularity. See what I'm saying? Now I'm not condemning eating cheeseburgers or junk food or any of that. I'm just, it's just a 
just a hypothetical solution, if you will. And that's what I'm talking about today is, is the compromise of the American church. Now, we see a lot of things play out today. But it didn't start today. It started way back when we started compromising. And it's also that way in our personal life. Well, maybe today I'm kind of feeling tired. I'm not going to read the word of God. Okay. Um, well, something happened this morning where I couldn't pray. So I'm just not going to pray today. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit home and I'm going to just relax. I need, I need a break. And then we start to compromise. Right. And notice that the things I've mentioned so far are essential. Like basic Christianity that every believer, regardless of maturity level, should do. That's where it always starts. Our compromise always starts in the most basics that, that we think because perhaps they're basic, that they're not important. And so we let them go. Well, I don't have to pray every day. I don't have to read the word of God every day. And we, even though these two things are essential. Right? Another area would be gathering together as the saints. We just passed Christmas Day. This is now the 26th of December, 2022, as of this recording. And unfortunately, many churches in America, for no reason, right? Nothing because maybe power was lost or something like that, where they canceled Christmas service. I mean, of all days to gather together as the saints, of all days out of the year, Christmas falls on a Sunday now, church is canceled. That boggles my mind. That that baffles me. Since the Bible exhorts us and warns us to gather together as the saints. Do not forsake the gathering of the saints as some do, it says in the book of Hebrews. Yet, we would go so far now as to cancel Christmas service? And by the way, this, this idea to cancel Christmas service is a, a foreign concept to the rest of the world. This is this is only an American thing, by the way. Now, how do I know that? Well, you, well have you been to the rest of the world? No, but I listen to those who live in other parts of the world. I, I listen to my, my brothers in Christ from across the pond in England, right? The UK. And other areas, South Africa, and then and other areas. But just to give you an idea that that I'm not just pulling stuff and and assuming, right? This is a a foreign concept. And then we wonder, perhaps, why is America now seem to be leading the way in sin? I was going to say another word, but I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Sin. Right now, we now it is law that we can go against God's design for marriage. And it's now law that a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a woman and it cannot be overturned. It's not up to the states to decide this. Right? It, it is now federal law. Like, what? 
how did we get here? Well, it's not because, as I've said many times before, and others have said it before me, so I'm not the one to come up with this, where the darkness is not growing darker because it's stronger. All right, we just passed up Christmas, right? It was just one day ago. And, you know, in passages, it calls Jesus the light of the world. Says that that the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, the light. Who else is referred to as light? We are the Christians, the body of Christ. Jesus tells us a command, by the way, it's not an option to be the light of the world. So that means if the darkness is encroaching, then it's not that the darkness has grown greater, but that our light has grown dimmer and in many cases doesn't exist actually. And this is a, a dangerous place because we're compromised. This is where it leads. When we start to be okay with compromise and the longer we go and the longer we don't answer the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the longer we go without repenting, what ends up happening is now our consciences become seared. In other words, our compromise, our sin no longer bothers us. But it's even worse than that. It's even worse than not it bothering us, right? Having our consciences seared means that we're not even aware that we're compromised anymore. We're not aware that we have apostatized. Yeah, that's right. It's, 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 I don't, I'm not going to use uh, sugar-coated language apostatized right what does that mean it means left the faith left christianity left jesus as our first love we don't even know that we did it we think we're okay with the lord we think everything's hunky-dory we think we are christians when we're christians in name only we, we we think we're the church but we're only playing church we're only playing church and let me just make this abundantly clear, and you can accuse me of legalism all you want. A church that cancels Christmas for no reason other than to make an excuse, a pitiful excuse at that one, to um, to cancel it, spend time with family or whatever else, is not the church. They are simply playing church. I mean, think about it. The one time of year where we specifically focus, I know we celebrate Jesus, we should be anyways, Celebrating Jesus every all, all you know, all year long. I get it, I get it, but this is the one day set aside for us to specifically focus on nothing else than celebrating the 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 fact that God became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh and tabernacle among us. Yet we're going to come up with pithy, pithy excuses. As to why we would not gather together corporately with our church family, right? Because the excuse was to spend time with their family. Well, the excuse not to gather with our church family to celebrate this, this absolutely a thousand percent momentous occasion specifically, right? We don't celebrate anything else. Just this fact. And we won't do it. Why? Because 
of severe compromise. And people think it's okay. People, people accuse those of us who say the reason why to hold church or that we're holding church of virtue signaling of all accusations, right? Nobody's virtue signaling here. I, I, I haven't seen people actually do that. It's just the fact of a biblical truth. But today in America, we don't like biblical truths. We don't like those anymore. Now, no, if you like the biblical truths and you talk about them, and you talk about them a lot, now you're a legalist. Now you're virtue signaling. Wow. How 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 far how far we have we have gone. We have gone. So I'm gonna put up some scriptures here on the screen. So if you're listening by audio podcast, you're not gonna see them. But don't worry because I have them here. So I've broken these down from um on problem and solution, right? Because it's one thing for me to focus on the problem, but I'd also, I would rather focus on a solution. I want to tell you not only the problem, but I want to tell you what we as a, a church body can do to ensure in our own lives, in our own personal lives and personal walk with our Lord Jesus, that we don't compromise. And since we are part of a body of believers, that means we can unite together and we can do what we can to make sure that that as a body, we don't compromise or that we fight against it because it is a fight, right? And people are going to accuse us of all sorts of things when we fight against compromise, when we come against this, but that's okay. That's okay. Cause the Bible tells us this, right? Thankfully, thankfully the Bible tells us everything that we need to know. So, uh, so here I'm in uh, the book of Jude. So he says here, listen to this, but beloved, remember the words that were previously spoken by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last days, there will be scoffers who will walk after their own ungodly desires. These are the men who cause divisions, sensual, devoid of the spirit. So we're, we're told this, and this is not the only place, and we'll get to other scriptures here in a moment, but this is not the only place that tells us this. It tells us in other places, but but we see this in the last days. Are we not in the last days? Obviously, we are. In fact, this type of stuff I had already entered and infiltrated the church in the first century. By the way, that's why it was written. That's why. It, that's why. That's why there were warnings in the Bible about this because this had already come about in the first century. The apostles hadn't even all died off yet, and this was already a sad fact. Yet today, here we are, right, two thousand plus years later. And we don't heed these warnings. And we wonder why, how did we get to where we're at? Because we don't read the Bibles. We don't apply the word. We're, we're, we're only hearers of the word, if that, by the way, if that. I mean, most churches refuse to preach what the Bible actually says anymore anyways. But if you actually get to hear the word of God, then we're not doers of the word of God. Like the Bible says to... <clears throat> do not be only hearers of the word of God, but be doers. We apply it. We act on it. We live it. It is our life. It is it is our identity. We don't compromise on it. But we know that the Bible says that in the last days this will happen. And surely here we are more than ever before. So, so, so what's one solution to this problem? I'm glad you asked that because it says it again in the, in, in the book of Jude. Here, starting in verse 20. But you... Beloved, that's you. 
That's me. Every every true Christian. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God while you are waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which leads to eternal life. I think another scripture that could perfectly pair with this is, is the warning, the exhortation to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. Yes, those words are used. Work out our salvation with fear and trembling. With holy reverence that God is, is Lord over our lives. And trembling. So it says, build yourselves up in your in, in your most holy faith. Well, explain to me if we're tossing aside the most basics, prayer, word, the, the Bible, and the church, if we're casting those aside and explain to me how we're building ourselves up in our most holy faith. Hmm. Notice also it doesn't say to let others build you up in your most holy faith. In other words, the responsibility is on every single person, individually. This is an individual responsibility. This is not your pastor's responsibility, but I understand we pastors have a responsibility to equip you, but you are to build yourself up in your most holy faith. One of the ways it says here is to pray in the Spirit. Now, does that mean that you must have the gift of tongues. No, that's not at all what it means. All right. Pray in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us in our prayers. It does not mean you have to have the gift of tongues. My wife, who is a prayer warrior, does not have the gift of tongues. But she, make no doubt about it. She is a prayer warrior nonetheless. Pray in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us and tell us what we need to pray. But we can't do that if we don't have a prayer life established. If we refuse to pray. In other words, what do I mean by prayer life? I mean exactly that. A life of prayer. A, a, a life where we have a dedicated time set aside every single day for prayer. Not praying in the moment. Right, not like okay, we're in the moment now. Now, now we need to pray, or, or let me. Oh, oh, I, I saw that prayer now, or I saw that prayer because let me pray about it. That, that's fine and well, and we should be doing that. But we also need to have a dedicated prayer life, and it also says um, here that uh, pray in the Holy Spirit, uh, keeping yourselves in the love of God while you're waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, which leads to eternal life. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Huh. So how do we do that? How, how would we, practically speaking, keep ourselves in the love of God? How would we do that? By obeying him. Because Jesus, God, said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So, we keep ourselves in the love of God by obeying God. Right? We don't toss out the scriptures we don't like. We don't say, well, there's only one commandment now, and that's that's to love. No, 
There are multiple commandments that we are required, that God requires everybody who calls him Lord to obey. Right? Jesus is king. And since he is king, just like any other king on the earth, you if, if you are considered a subject of that king, and there are still kings around today, by the way, if we're if you are considered to be a subject of that king, then you must abide by his what laws, right? Otherwise, you are not a subject of the kingdom. Or or at the very, you know, the very least, you will be thrown into prison because you don't follow the laws of the kingdom, which comes from what? Who? The king. So then, if we don't obey the laws, the commandments, no, I'm not talking about 613 commandments, I'm talking about the moral commandments of Jesus, our king, then we are not part of the kingdom, we don't love him, and we are in prison. A prison, by the way, of our own making, since we decided to disobey. And, and you say, well, why is this all so important? Well, why? Because it starts in our daily lives. Right? Because we are in a very real battle. Not a battle against flesh and blood, right? But against what? Against powers and principalities, right? Wickedness in high places, things like that, right? We are in a spiritual, very real spiritual battle. Now, we may not be battling actively every single day, but we need to live it out every day. Because if you're not if you're not living these things now, I'm going to tell you right now, with all assurity, and when the spiritual battle does come, then you will be taken out, guaranteed. You know, in the army, we say train as you fight. So, so what what does that look like? like? You know, in the army, and they still do it today. We um, we, we go to training centers. Right, whether it's the National Training Center at Fort Irwin, California, or or other places like Fort Polk, Louisiana, or Hohenfels, Germany, places like that, where where the training scenario is as real as it can get, like without actual real bullets, live live bullets flying, we 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 live and we train in an environment to to as if we were already in battle. Right? We get attacks simulated against us. We have to respond to them. Things like that. Why? We're training as we fight. So that when we go to actually fight the real battle, we're already prepared. But if you're not prepared now, if you already have compromise in you now, you will get taken out. No different than, than what we'll say had, we're living in an ancient city with defenses right or how about this let, let, let's actually fast forward thousands of years to to today or or at least not that many years ago in the, in the sense of history when i was in iraq right we, we places got attacked how did they get attacked well many times because of compromise Right, where soldiers were not guarding as they were supposed to guard, or or the people who put in place the specific rules for guard duty and letting people in and letting people near, maybe they, those weren't up to snuff. 
But either way, the bottom line is, is compromise happened. And, and that's why the attacks against um, forward operating bases, things like that, were able to happen because of compromise. Because people were not aware, people were not alert. People were compromised. No different, no different, Christian, than when we live our life and we choose not to live it for God. We choose not to live it for God. When we, when we compromise on what God says, guess what? It's already too late. We're going to be taken out. It's already too late. We made we made it way too easy on way too easy on the enemy, enemy to to come against us. So here, here here's another some more scripture. Here's a problem, um, right here. It says now pay attention. Or sorry, uh, yeah, sorry. First uh, Timothy four one. Now the Spirit says. That in the last times, right, synonymous with last days, last times, some will depart from the faith and pay attention to seducing spirits and doctrines of evil, right? In parentheses, you see where I put here apostasy, because that's exactly what it is, right? Depart from the faith, which means, yes, it is possible for us to make a decision to depart from the faith. So what's the solution here? First Timothy 4. Six to eight. If you remind the brothers of these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished by the words of faith and of good doctrine, which you have followed closely. So it says here, first and foremost, part of the solution here is right here where it says, uh, if you remind the brothers of these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished, nourished. Nourished by the words of faith and of good doctrine. So that means we have to be fed, right? Because man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we need to be fed by the words of faith and of good doctrine. Where, where, where are we going to find that at? Where, where are we going to be fed at? One, when we study our own Bibles, right? Not just read the passage of the day, but actually study what do we? What, why? Why do I keep highlighting that word? Study for what does that mean? It means we, we reread, right? A good a good portion of the scriptures every day, and then when we come across scriptures that trouble us that we don't quite understand, we don't just rush past them and ignore them, because we're not building ourselves up in our most holy faith when we skip over troubling passages. But here it says what. Be nourished. We need good doctrine. We find the good doctrine where in the Bible and in a good church home, right, where the pastor is actually teaching what the Word of God says, basically, right? The, the pastor actually preaches sin. He actually preaches repentance. He actually preaches holy, he preaches holy and perfect living. Basic fundamentals. This is not complicated stuff. What it comes down to is me and you making a decision every day. You know, all oh, those days, man, I just, uh, today, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go to church today. Um, well, you know, we're, we're, no, put aside feeling sick, being sick, something like that. Kids sick, something like that. We, we got it. This is not about legalism. I'm not even talking about church attendance every single week, right? If I, if I say that you must a church, attend church every week, um, out of every month, 
Now we're talking legalism, right? But but I'm talking about actual gathering, right? We'll say most of the month, something like that. We're, we're talking about outside, like I said, uh, outside of an emergency or sickness. No, I'm just I'm not, I'm not going to go today. I mean, most people today in America can't even sit through an hour-long church service, but they can plop in front of a TV right after church to watch their favorite football game for three hours or more, right? Because a lot of people watch football games back-to-back. They can do that, but God forbid they're able to sit and hear the Word of God. Oh, and then I guess no wonder why they don't have a good doctrine and they're not nourished and they're spiritually anemic. They're spiritually starving, if you will. Another way it says here, but um, but uh, uh, but refuse profane and foolish myths. Instead, exercise in the ways of godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable in all things, holding promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So it says refuse profane and foolish myths here. Well, one that comes to mind, because I like to use real world things that happen, right? Christmas came about, right? What happens every Christmas, right? People come out of the woodwork. Christmas is pagan. Christmas is pagan. Christmas is pagan. They bang that drum, right? Yet it is a foolish myth. That's all it is. Christmas being pagan is foolish, believing that. It's foolishness. There are no primary sources, no primary documents, you know, writings that point to this. None of the early church says anything about this. None of the early church fathers actually say anything about this. There's no substance to it, right? There's no connection between Christmas and Saturnalia. Yet, people will beat this drum every year. It's a foolish myth, though. I mean, the thing is also Americans and American Christians have become intellectually lazy. In other words, we don't search things out. Is there any truth or substance to this? Well, if we actually took your time to study it out, is there truth or substance to this? Most times we would find out there is no truth or substance. You know, when we hear that, that thing, it's just like, what? If we actually took the time and and applied, I mean, this is a world where information these days is literally at our fingertips. On the go, we can look up anything we want about any subject, yet we won't do it. We'll just say, okay, well, I heard it, so it must be true, right? I heard it. It's a foolish myth. But it said, instead, exercise in the ways of godliness, right? I talked about not being intellectually lazy. What scripture could I apply? Could, could we apply from that? Aha, study to show yourself a workman not ashamed. And before you say, well, that, that's only, that only applies to studying scripture. Well, yeah, absolutely. It does apply to studying scripture. But even the writers like Paul, who was writing this, did not only study scripture. He often quoted from Greek poets, for instance. We, we have uh, other places. We, 
where where scripture was not quoted from. We have um, the book of Enoch quoted from, and it's not scripture. It was not taken even by by the writers, of, by uh, people like Paul as scripture or Peter. But nonetheless, nevertheless, it's there quoted. Not to mention, uh, I said earlier about don't pass up that those those tough scriptures. Well, that there are commentaries uh, that we are able to use free at a lot. By the way, free a lot of times. You don't have to buy one. You can go on places like Blue Letter Bible and, and other places to to read free commentaries, completely free. That means we we will study that out. Okay, well, what does Matthew Henry? Right on this, since I know that Matthew Henry, right, might be the, the English might be a, a little bit difficult to, to chew through um, from the old English that he used, but nonetheless, it's there. And as far as I know, he he wrote a comment, he wrote commentaries on every portion of the Bible. But we won't take the time. I don't know. I'm not passing it up, or we just come to some illogical, foolish conclusion as to well, I, I that's what that scripture means. It doesn't mean that at all. Right? How about how about we lean on the wisdom of those who have gone before us? I'm humble to admit there are more than I can count that went before me who were far wiser and far more knowledgeable than I will probably ever be in when applying the Bible. So it says that instead exercise the noise of godliness. Once again, prayer, fellowship. Bible study, witnessing, evangelizing, discipling, being a disciple, taking care of, of the widows and the orphans, taking care of, of our own parents when they're unable to well, when they're unable to um, take care of themselves as much as we can. Things like this. This is all in the Bible. This is all in the Bible. Let's continue on. So uh, here's another scripture with, with, with the problem. It says here, and um, and let me just pause and say this is not, these are not the only scriptures I can use. Uh, let's see. This is in the book of 2 Timothy. This is in chapter 3. So starting in verse 1, it says this. Know this. In the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of self of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, <clears throat> unholy. Amen. Without natural affection, truth breakers, slanders, unrestrained, fierce, despisers of those who are good. Hey, remember at the beginning I talked about hey. We, we talk about the necessity not to compromise. We're going to be labeled, right? Or, or in other words, uh, we will uh, be despised. That's fine. Traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now, part of the solution is here. Mention it says, turn away from such people. Now I've 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 done an extensive show covering this exact topic. I've mentioned it before, but here it is 
in scripture for you to see says here turn away from such people what does that mean that literally means turn away from them amazing the bible is so simple have nothing to do with them turn away from these type of people don't let their company corrupt you yes i didn't say it. it's there in the bible but, but but what about the salvation what about this what about well i i I understand that these questions of yours are, if you ask questions like that, it's very relevant, and, and I'm glad you're asking such questions. But nevertheless, it's what the Bible says that outweighs what we think. What do we question? What the Bible says. Have nothing to do with such people. Now, of course, pray for them. Yeah, absolutely. Pray for them. Absolutely. No, no, no. But we're not supposed to have any fellowship with them at all. It is what the Bible says. I didn't say it. It's, 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 it's in the scripture. So, so like I said, part of the solution was right there. These types of people listed here don't have anything to do with them. Don't listen to those preachers who say, sow into my anointing, sow into the church, sow, sow into this. Or if you don't give your tithe to robbing, stay away from them. They're lovers of money, right? Boastful, proud, right? These type of people who... Um, are out there promoting themselves all the time and you probably see more pictures of them doing whatever it is that they do, preaching, prophesying, praying, you're always pictures of them. It's always, it's always them-centric. Well, what that, that, that would make them boastful and proud. Stay away from them. Well, brother, that's legalism. No, that's, that's what the Bible says, right? Let me, put it, let me put it up on your screen for you to see for yourself. Go ahead and look it up if you don't believe me. So solution then is further on in that same chapter, uh, 2 Timothy 3. This is verses 12 and through 17. Yes, and all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So all. So that means we should all desire to live a godly life. So, so how do we know that we're compromised also? I guess this also highlights a problem, not just a solution here. So if, if we're not living a godly life, then we're not suffering persecution, then people are saying, love us, and most of the times people say good things about us, by and large, then I guess we're not living a godly life after all. Anyway, verse 13, but evil men and seducers will go worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Here it is, verse 14. But continue in the things that you have learned and have been assured of, knowing those from whom you have learned them, and that since childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through the faith that is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That the man that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yeah, if you want to get offended at the at the uh, <clears throat> Bible uses patriarchal language, go go for it, go for it. But uh, but any person with a shred of common sense can know it's talking about all people. But, but we have here the solutions, but continue in the things that you have learned. 
Okay, so the Bible tells us, right, different commandments of Jesus, right, right there. One of the number one places to start if you want to know which commandments you're supposed to follow is probably, I would say that the book of Matthew is your best bet to start, by the way. You have learned, right? So don't stop doing them. Don't compromise. I, I think you could, I think summed up here, if maybe I, maybe if you made a, a paraphrase of it is, but don't compromise. But do not compromise. Because this is, but if so, because if we don't continue, but continue, in other words, do not compromise on what we have learned. Prayer, Bible, repentance, fellowship, giving, and more, right? Not lusting. Um, don't 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 go look at pornography, um, things like that. Don't don't look for a reason to get divorced. Things like that. What you have learned, right? And then it talks about, and that's since childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. You know, you know. Let me pause and say that 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 this is the way Muslims grow up. Now they may not, whether or not they have any idea what they're on reading in the Quran, is neither here nor there. It's the fact that they read this Quran from childhood and memorize it from childhood. Yet the number one thing a lot of families do instead nowadays is 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 have their children raised by devices. Put a phone in the hand, stick them in front of a TV. But nary a mention of the Bible. Now I'm not being legalistic about this. I'm not saying force your child to sit in front of that Bible every morning and they better be memorizing passages. Like by the end of Whatever, they better quote the book of John verbatim or something. No, no, that's not what this is about. But but if you ask your child, here's a good test. If you ask your child what Christmas is all about, the answer will tell you what you need to know. So if your child tells you it's Santa Claus in presence or something like that, then already you know. You, you need a, you need a pick up. Pick up the slack. If your child says Jesus, then you know you're headed in the right direction. So I'm not talking about legalism. I mean, you could you could force a kid, I suppose, um, to just start memorizing, but then they won't understand it. But this is a simple fact that most of our children don't know the scriptures. We 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 pawn them off to quote unquote children's church, which is a uh, uh, an, an oxymoron in most places because most children don't learn anything. They play games. They they color pages, right? Things like that. They don't know scriptures at all. It says here, so we have to use all scripture, right? Because it says here, what does it say? It says that all scripture is inspired by God. Let's break it down though. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness. We don't often like in America the reproof and correction part of that. We, we become so individualistic as a society, but worse than that, individualistic as a church. Who are you to tell me what to do? The Bible says don't judge. Well, the Bible doesn't actually say that. Who are you? You don't tell me. Well, yet the Bible says... 
We're supposed to be submitted one to another. You know that passage in Ephesians is not talking about marriage. We're supposed to be submitted one to another. We're commanded if we see a brother failing, we're supposed to approach him in private. Yeah, I said Jesus says that in, in um, Matthew 18. Things like that. So yeah, we are to tell each other what to do. We are to. Notice it doesn't say in that passage of scripture right here, by the way, for the reproof and correction, it doesn't say only that's only applied to church leadership, by the way. So this is applicable for every believer. All of us. So all scripture, we're supposed to use all of scripture for teaching, right? Which is what I'm trying to do right now, making it applicable to you. I guess right now you could say it's also being used for reproof and correction right now and for instruction so that you can live righteous lives. So that what? Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete. We cannot be complete if we refuse to be corrected. If we refuse that, then we've already been severely compromised. If we, if we, if we don't like correction, then most likely <clears throat> we're probably outside the kingdom of God. We are... We, we need correction, every single one of us. We need to be submitted one to another. We need to we need to allow our brothers and sisters in the Lord to come along and say, hey, brother, hey, sister. Hey, can I talk to you for a second? I, I, I saw that. Or I saw you talking alone with this person who's not your spouse. That's not a good idea. Think, things like that, right? Hey, hey, hey. Um, hey, hey, buddy. You know, I see your wife, she's dressing in, in, in revealing clothing that shouldn't be worn, especially not in a church setting. You need to take care of that. We need to be willing to hear things like that. Hey, your, your children are unruly. We need to be willing to, 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 to be corrected in whatever area, you know. Hey, we need to be willing to let people ask us, hey, how's your, how's your prayer and Bible study life like? How, how's that going for you? Or how is this area going for you? We need to be allow our brothers and sisters who, who who perhaps know that we were once addicted to pornography, for instance. We need to allow them to hold us accountable and say, "Hey, brother, right? How how's how's your how's your screen time doing? Are you are you looking at anything you shouldn't be looking at? How how is the battle going? Are are, are you winning and overcoming temptation?" Is that going okay for you? Do you need any prayers? We need things like that. That's an act of love. That's an act of love. But but if we would rather um, go with a compromised nature and way of living, then we're not going to want people to do that. You know, we see everybody who comes along and does that to us as critics. We, we see everybody who comes along and, and does stuff like that, and, and we scorn them. But why? They just have our best interests in mind. Now, mind you, people aren't always going to say it perfectly. They might not always say it in the right setting either. But nevertheless, we should be able to take what they say and apply it when it's from when it's <coughs> scriptural. Scriptural. That's what I wanted to get at. So anyway, yeah, um, I hope that this helped you. Like I said, don't forget, give us a thumbs up wherever you're watching from. Click that share button. And I'll be with you tomorrow. 3 p.m. Central, right here.
on YouTube only. So you may be watching this from another platform, but YouTube only is our weekly uh, Bible-based Q&A session, which is, by the way, for believers, uh, Christians, or anyone else for that matter. All right. So anyway, love you all. God bless you all. And I will talk to you again later. Heaven, it's a one way, one truth, one life. That's why we're not ashamed of the name of Jesus. And we don't.